0: morning, y'all. How we doing this morning? Good, good. Uh, well, hey, my name is Ruben. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here. Um, really a joy uh, to be here this morning. Uh, I say this every time that I get up here. Um, it really is great that we get to come and worship as a body. Um, you know, I think we realized during COVID and like, not that we're out of it fully and all that, but um, a lot of churches didn't have the opportunity to continue gathering, and a lot of them are still unable to for whatever reason. So all that to say, like I'm really grateful that we as a body uh, get to come here week in and week out and worship together, amen? Well hey, open in your Bibles to Hebrews, uh, Hebrews 12, verses one and two. Uh, I'm actually gonna ask you guys to stand uh, for the reading of the word of God. Are you guys okay with that? Can we stand? Cool. and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen. You guys may be seated. My wife, Karina, and I, we had the privilege a couple months back to go to Portugal. Um, And it was an incredible experience. Got to see a couple of our friends get married. Uh, And one of the things that we saw when we were out there, it was a theme that kind of occurred over and over again. There were cafes and coffee shops that had signs that would say, no Wi Fi, drink your coffee. Or, like, no laptops, drink your coffee. And there would be, like, a picture of, like, two people together, like, talking, smiling. And so they had these kind of all over. So these cafes did not have Wi Fi. And so people were actually forced to do what they went there to do, which was to drink coffee and to be together. And so we went there, and, like, we're in a foreign country, right? And we're like, oh, well, we need Wi Fi, you know, like, because you're out in the streets, you don't have it. And then we got there and we're like, oh wow, we actually have to like talk to each other. And like we don't get to have our phones. And sure enough, I like took a picture. I snapped a picture of like the, the photo, that, the sign that they had. Um, but whether it was out of uh, desire or necessity, we were, we were talking to each other. Um, and we were sitting there and we actually did what we went there to do, which was to drink coffee and to be together. We live in a really distracted culture. Would you guys agree? Everything is pulling for our attention, and we're constantly being removed from the things that really matter. We overlook what's important, and we fail to honor what matters most. We sacrifice time with our families and friends. That's my daughter, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> it's not, no, it's not, oh, this is a baby, it's a baby. Oh, it's a, clearly, I've only had her for seven months. I don't know her cop yet. Oh. But we sacrifice time with our families and friends to to watch shows or YouTube and answer emails and messages. And uh, we give up necessary sleep to scroll and check alerts and messages. Now, hear me. I'm not about to preach a message on anti media and all of that good stuff. But what I am going to share today is, and I'm trying to paint a picture, that when we're constantly distracted, we lose purpose and our vision gets distorted. But when we know our purpose and we understand our vision, it allows us to let go of the things that hinder us from getting there. See, what this coffee shop understood was that there was a purpose for people to be there. And that purpose wasn't to scroll on your phones. That purpose wasn't to go and actually not drink the, like drink the coffee, but be the snow. Like they, they wanted a communal space for people to come together. And what happens when we forget our purpose or the why behind the things that we do is that we easily give in to whatever gets placed in front of us. We, we allow those things that are pulling for our attention left and right to actually pull our attention, and we give in to those things. And I don't know if I'm alone here or not, but sometimes my walk with Jesus starts to feel this way. Right, like I'm here, I'm with him, I'm doing the things that I'm supposed to be doing, I'm coming to church, I'm reading the word, doing all this stuff, but I'm sitting there and I'm like, wait why am I doing this? I start to let the things that are actually secondary or non-essential become the things that are primary in place of Jesus who's supposed to be there. Anybody else here relate? Cool, I'm glad I'm not alone. So here's my message in a sentence up front, and my professors at Moody said never do this. Uh, They said you're gonna lose everybody, but I trust that you guys are gonna stay with me. Uh, So here it is. When we know why we are running, it allows us to let go of every distraction and hindrance that keeps us from finishing the race. There we go. And to broaden this a little bit and to widen the perspective, when we know our purpose and understand our vision, it allows us to let go of the things that keep us from getting there. So, Hebrews 12, verse one. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us anybody here ever ran a marathon or a half marathon or anything like that well done to all of you guys um, and I didn't plan for this message to fall on Marathon Sunday. I was like, people are going to see this message on YouTube, running the race, and they're going to be like, oh, they're so cheesy over there of Oasis. It's like, that was not intended. But I hope a year down the road, you guys will remember the message on running the race because it landed on Marathon Sunday, so there was something there. Um, but I personally haven't ran one, but from people that I've talked to and things that I've read, um, it's pretty intense to train for a marathon. Um, it's not really easy. There's a lot of um, sacrifices that have to be made, right? There are diet changes and exercise routines that need to be established, and you're training like crazy to run this race. There's a lot of sacrifices that people make to train and to compete. For those of you that ran, is that correct? Yes. It's a lot of work, and if you've ever watched the Olympics, you've seen that these runners wear pretty much nothing. You know, like they're wearing like the lightest clothes, the lightest shoes, and the purpose of this is so that there's nothing that's actually slowing them down from running the race and finishing the race and and winning. And there are also things that would fully disqualify them from running the race, right? There are things like, right, uh, performance, like all of that stuff, right? Like you guys, you can't do that, you know? There are things that actually disqualify people from running. And in this passage, the author draws on this imagery, of competing in a race. And he says, in order to run this race and to run it well, there are weights and there are sins that we have to lay aside. There are weights and there are sins that we have to lay aside. And it says that they cling so close. Another passage says they so easily entangle us. And the Bible has things in it that are very black and white. There is sin, okay? And he talks about sin. It's very clear. You cannot sleep around outside of marriage. You cannot go get drunk. You cannot, there are things that we know are very clear to us. But then there is also things in the scriptures and in the kingdom, and there are seasons of life where the Lord may call us to lay aside something that isn't necessarily bad there are weights, or there are things that maybe are just slowing us down from running, or maybe you're, you know, yeah, they're slowing us down, they're holding us back a little bit. And here the author, he intentionally distinguishes between weights and sin. We're gonna talk about sin for a moment, Um, and we'll do that one first, because I know we all love to talk about sin, amen? So sin is activities and practices of the mind, the body, and the heart that oppose God's standard of how things ought to be. And living lives of sin actually separates us from God, right? Who remembers the story in the garden? Adam and Eve, they sinned, and after sinning, they were separated. They were actually exiled from the garden where God's presence was. So sin, it separates us from God. And I would go as far to say that living lives of sin can disqualify us from running this race. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 and 10. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. See, there are ways, and ways of life and things in the kingdom that are just not acceptable. And these are sins. And God is calling all people, whether we've been following him for years and years, or whether we are brand new, none of us are exempt from this, to lay aside the sin in our lives. Now, I want to make sure nobody mishears me right, this can, this can get a little bit muddy. What I'm not saying is that if you struggle with sin, you're disqualified from being in the kingdom. There's a difference between living a life of habitual sin and struggling with sin. What Paul isn't saying is, oh, you looked at that person in this way or you had this thought, you're, you're cut off. That's not what he's saying. If you've placed your faith in Jesus and you're walking with him, You have been justified, and you are declared righteous. Now, the thing about grace is that it isn't a free pass to sin, right? If you truly understand grace, you would know that it was meant to lead us to repentance, right? It's not something, yeah, it's free to us, but it's not a free pass to go do things that we're not supposed to do. Romans 2.4, or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience? not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. Grace for followers of Jesus doesn't lead to tolerance of sin, but it leads to a fear of God and to a turning away from sin. You are righteous and set free, therefore, lay aside every sin. The point is this, Jesus died to set us free from all of our baggage. From the penalty and in the in the in the in the wrath of sin, the wrath that we deserved. You weren't set free from sin to go back to that. Let it go. Run the race. You don't have to give in to that. Now I think there might be some people here this morning that are believing the lie that you cannot overcome the sin in your life. Has anybody ever been there? You're like so bogged down by a specific sin in your life, you're like, I can't get past this. How am I gonna? Climb out of this hole, and that's the lie—the lies that you have to climb out of the hole, the lies that you have to keep going higher and higher and higher to get out. But the grace of God actually says, "No, you are purchased, you are free, you are adopted." I was listening to a song this morning on the way here, and I don't know somebody might know this song, but they said, "On my best day, I'm a child of God, and on my worst day, I'm a child of God." I was like, "Come on!" And I was sitting there and I was like listening to that, and I just, I kept speaking that over my life. Right, because even for myself, every time I come up here, the lie of Satan is that, like, oh, you can't, you, know, you can't preach the word of God. You know your faults. You know how you were short with your wife the other night. You know how you snapped on your seven-month-old girl. Like, Don't get me wrong, but, like, like frustrated snapped. Okay, there's, like, okay. But, like, right, there are things that, like, Satan will try to condemn us for. But that's a lie, guys. We don't have to give in to that. Now, on the other hand, if you're calloused and numb and you don't want to change, I would urge you guys, if that's you, run to the Lord. The longer you keep from running to him and the longer you allow yourself to be numb to the sin you are living in, the more numb you're going to become to the grace of God and the harder it's going to become to go back to him. And if that's you, receive this as an invitation, not a condemnation. He's inviting all of us. Again, whether you've been with him for five minutes or 15 years, we are all called to lay aside things, to lay aside sin. Cool. So we talked about sin. Are we good there? You guys all great? Cool. The second thing is weights. And this is where I love this passage, right? Because um, for an athlete, um, training for a marathon, weights were actually a good thing. Right? They would train for these marathons. They would train for these competitions. And Back then, they would have like, you know, ankle weights and, and, and wrist weights. I guess science says, like, don't do that anymore. Again, I'm not a runner. Now there's like weighted vests that people put on. But how foolish would it be that for this person to train for months and months and months, and then come race time, they left the vest on? when the very purpose of that weighted vest was to allow them to build the strength and the stamina they were required to have when the race came, and when they took it off, it was gonna be easier to run the race. Right, when, when you leave those weights on, you defeat the purpose of what they're actually supposed to do, to build strength and to build stamina. See, the difference between sins and weights in this passage is that weights in our lives can actually be really good Things. Do you guys remember the story of Mary and Martha? Let's turn to Luke 10, 38 through 42. You guys good this morning? Yeah? Cool. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. As she had a, And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teachings. See, Martha was doing a good thing by serving the Lord, right? She wasn't doing anything wrong, but she lost sight of the ultimate thing. She was wanting to do all these things for the Lord, but Jesus wasn't concerned with what she can do for him. She was concerned about being he was concerned about her being with him. Mary chose the better thing, and that was to be with him. And if we're not careful and aware, good things can actually distract us from the ultimate thing which is Jesus himself. And the moment any good thing that's not God becomes your ultimate thing, it becomes the wrong thing. Jesus desires for us to be with him more than he desires for us to do stuff for him. Get with the Lord. What good things in your life have you allowed to become ultimate things? Maybe it's serving. And again, hear me. Keep serving, but prioritize. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's sport. Like, you know, I know what the things are for me, but I wanna ask you, what good things have you allowed to become ultimate things? Another thing that can become a weight is just too much of something, too much of anything. Proverbs 25, 16 says, if you have found honey, eat only enough for you, lest you have your fill of it, and vomit it. (laughs) Too much of anything, even if it's good, can become the wrong thing. And I found myself getting really caught up in sports or shows or work, and, and these things, they are really good things, guys. We work hard, we enjoy the gifts that God has given us, but the moment I allow those things to take the place of God in my life, I gotta do some drastic rearranging. You guys know the definition of idolatry? The worship of someone or something other than God as though it were God. I was like, ah. Right, and like, guys, I'm not, I'm not like one of those like brimstone, fire, hell, preachers or whatever. Like I know sometimes it sounded like that today. I talking about sin and talking about idolatry. That's not, but like the reality is there are things that we allow to become idols in our lives. There are sins that we allow ourselves to walk with. There are weights that we allow ourselves to carry that we don't have to carry. When we get distracted by the things around us, we make it a lot more difficult on ourselves to run this race than it needs to be. Our vision becomes clouded and we get sidetracked left and right. And we forget why we're running and we forget what the prize is. I'm not sure if I'm alone here, but I have a lot of weights and distractions in my life. A lot. Um, and there are things that we, that I personally allow myself to get so caught up in. And the Lord is so gracious to like constantly nudge me back and constantly draw me back into himself. Do I always respond right away? No. Do I miss it often? Yes. But is God still good and is he still pursuing and is he still ready to, to welcome each one of us back every time we come back? Absolutely he is. So don't stop going back to him. Keep running back. So whether the weights in your life are good things in the wrong time, good things that have become ultimate things, or just too much of something, anything, we need to let it go if they're slowing us down from running well. So again, what are some of the weights in your life that Holy Spirit this morning is inviting you guys to let go of. So we lay aside every weight and sin and we run the race that is set before us. Let's continue in verse two. It says, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. Every person that I've talked to about running a marathon or training has said that if you don't have a purpose or a goal or a reason for why you're running, it's gonna get really difficult in those times where you wanna give up the training to actually stay motivated. One thing that you hear athletes say all the time is know why you're doing the thing that you're doing. Right, and that that thing will almost always, in times of difficulty, keep you motivated to keep going. When you don't wanna make that sacrifice anymore, when you wanna snooze that 5 a.m. alarm, right? When you wanna go have a cheeseburger from Five Guys with a shake, knowing your purpose and your reason and the why behind what you're doing will allow you, right? So I've been, okay, this is maybe, I'm gonna bring this. I've been trying like this little workout stuff, right? Like, and doing all that. So I went on a run, when was it babe? Like earlier this week. And I ran around Harrison Park. And it took me, guys, to run around one time. I had to stop once, stretch. Going around is only like a mile. I had to stop one stretch. I'm like you're along the like, fence at the park. I'm like doing these things. I'm sitting there. And this morning, I'm like, I'm trying to do push-ups and sit-ups before I, you know, I start my day. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, okay, I want to get healthy. I want to get healthy. I, I, had a, I had a vision and a direction for what I was doing and why I was doing it. So when I got to like sit-up like 45, I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. I was like, no, come on, keep going. It's just five more. And that motivated me to keep going, to keep pressing in to what I was doing because I knew what the vision was. I knew what the direction was. I knew the why behind what I was doing. And your purpose and your goal will give you vision and direction for what you want to accomplish. It will motivate you to make the sacrifices that you need to make. And this is the point of this passage, that we are running a race. I think we forget that. I think we forget in following Jesus, we can become very stagnant. Anybody with me? You can just like, you're just kind of dragging your feet, you're going, but we're running a race. We are in a marathon. We are pursuing something. We have a direction that we are going after. That one is my child. I know that one, because also my wife got up. I need a confirmation. When we have an end goal, and the end goal is making it to the finish line, we know that we are called to keep the faith, and we do the will of the Father until then. Now, how many of you guys have known people in your lives? My grandparents were kind of like this. Hide until the Lord comes. It's like sit in your room so that you don't sin. Like don't hang out with people because if you do, you're gonna get distracted, you're gonna lose sight, you're gonna sin, whatever that was. So my grandparents were kind of like that. But Paul tells Timothy, he says, I fought the good fight. I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. And he tells the church in Corinth, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run in a way that you may obtain it. So my question to us this morning is how can we collectively as a body and individually run this race that we may obtain the prize? My answer is this, know why you're running. Know who you're running toward. Have direction, have purpose. We're running a race to be with Jesus and we're fulfilling the Father's will until we're with him one day. Because when we know why we are running, it allows us to let go of every distraction and hindrance that keeps us from running the race. And as you continue to look to him, he's gonna challenge you to pull off more layers. And the only way we're able to lay aside these weights and sins and run this race is if we are constantly, church, hear me, you cannot overcome the sins in your lives on your own. You cannot pull off the layers of weights in your life on your own. You need to look to Jesus. I Need to look to Jesus. I need to keep the course. I need to keep my eyes fixated on Him. And the moment I begin to look left and right, redirect. Don't allow, like, don't allow yourself to get caught up in those dumb mindsets of, like, oh, I, I lost focus. No, just recenter. Recenter. Keep going. But you cannot overcome the things in your life on your own. I cannot overcome them on my own. And there's going to be more sin. There's going to be more weights that he calls us to pull off as we're running. And if we try to cut them out on our own, we're going to fail miserably. And furthermore, if Jesus isn't the reason why you're running the race, I would ask why do you even want to be in the race? He's the reason, he's the goal, he's the prize. And my hope with that question isn't to like, discourage anybody, but it's to like encourage us and nudge us. like Go to him, go to him, go to him, because it's all about him. So how do we run this race? By setting our eyes on Jesus, because he is the reason we're running to begin with. When you start to get discouraged, when you start to become weary, pick up your head, look to Jesus. When the relationship fails, Look to Jesus. When you lose the job, look to Jesus. Look to him and keep running. He is the prize, and none of this makes sense if he's not at the center. Now, I know I just said, whatever situation you're in in your life, look to Jesus. And you're like, oh, Reuben, that's really naive. Like, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what it's like to lose a job. You don't know what it's like to have this or that. You're right. I don't, but I know somebody who does. I know someone who knows exactly what it's like. And if you're thinking I'm gonna say Jesus, you're right. (laughs) I am. Verse two, let's continue. Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus is the perfect example for us of what it looks like to continue running regardless of what it costs us. He didn't stop at any cost to save us. He quite literally died so that we can have life. Jesus authored our salvation by taking on our sin and our wrath and nailing it to that cross. And guys, if we get sick of hearing the gospel like there's, we're gonna continue preaching the gospel every time we gather. We're gonna continue hearing of the finished work of Jesus every time we come together. He died so that you and I might have life in him, and three days later, he rose from the grave, and for every single one of us who have placed our faith in him, we've been set free from the power and the penalty of Sin And we've been brought into his family and sealed with his spirit. How many of you guys are grateful for Jesus releasing us from the power and the penalty of sin and sealing us with his Holy Spirit? You're no longer bound to your old life. You've been set free from that. The same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead lives in us. And we get to run with him wherever he may lead us, he makes all things new and he is making all things new. Jesus knew his purpose and his mission. He understood the race that he was running, that he came to fulfill the will of his Father and to save the world. So when the race got got tough for Jesus, when the temptation became unbearable, he prayed, nevertheless, Father, not my will, but your will, be done. Jesus understands your struggles. He understands my struggles. He gets it. He knows. And he's telling each of us this morning to fix your eyes on him and to keep running. Um, Pastor Jordan, you can come up wherever you are. I'm going to invite us to stand this morning Each one of us have um, things in our lives that distract us from running well. We all have things that, that hold us back. We all have stuff that weigh us down a little bit. We all have sin that the Lord is dealing with in us. My hands up here. We all have weights that hold us back a little bit or a lot. And maybe for some of us here this morning, you have yet to even say yes to running the race. Wherever you're at this morning, Jesus is inviting you to go deeper with him. Pull off some of those layers. Get rid of some of those weights. Release that sin. We don't need them. So I want to challenge us today and I want to ask us the question. And I know it's like, it may seem very simple or it may seem like a very vague question, but I really want you guys to actually like ponder and, and think about this. Why are you running this race? What caused you to say yes to Jesus? What motivates you every single day to continue pursuing him? Do you have vision for your walk with him or are you just doing the thing that everybody else is doing because everybody else is doing it? Why are you personally running this race? And I'm convinced that if we're able to answer this question for ourselves, it's gonna allow us to go into greater depths into the presence of the Lord. It's gonna allow us to go from grace to grace, from glory to glory, and not just drag our feet and go from one place to the next because it's what you do. I don't want us to be a people who just do the thing because because you do it. That's not fun. It's not enjoyable. I want us to be people that have vision and purpose and direction, who know where we're going, who know the person we're pursuing, who have our eyes set on the prize and his name is, like what would it look like, church, if we were a people who were so fixated on the goodness and the presence and the glory of Jesus, that when we gathered in this place, the presence fell down so heavily. There was a, and I'm gonna close here in a second, but there was a church that I went to back in the day and they had, a, they had a sign as you exited the building and it said, church starts now. Church didn't start when you entered the building. Church starts when you leave. What would it look like for us to be a people so fixated on the goodness and the glory of God that when we left this place, we carried his presence with us. We were running the race as though we actually had a prize to win. How do you run like somebody who can obtain the prize? You fix your eyes on him, who is the prize, and you run with him. That's how we do it, church. And guys, it's there's gonna be times where it gets difficult, where you have to cancel that Netflix subscription because it's a, it's a wait. You might have to... Switch up some of the genres of music you're listening to for a season because it triggers some past thoughts of like when you would go do this, that, or the other. That was me for many years. There were specific, and the, guys, hear me. I'm not like saying like, you can't like, I'm not saying secular music's bad, I, I, all that. But there are times and seasons where the Lord is calling us to release things from our lives. And it's gonna get difficult at times. But just like Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him, He endured the cross, despising its shame. He knew the prize. He knew the goal. Why are you running this morning? Why are you running this morning? Because when we know why we are running, it allows us to let go of every distraction and hindrance that keeps us from finishing the race. Let's pray and worship together.